Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Wrestling Podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality in sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster, Zencaster.com, that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication, Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. My sisters, my brothers, non-binaries, extraterrestrials welcome back to duke loves wrestling the show about pro wrestling and everything else you know it's funny uh, a couple weeks back we had rob the genius on the show and he was discussing some data that he was going over related to women's wrestling you know specifically how women's wrestling is featured on television the response to that was so strong that i asked rob to come back now come back and, and complete what he started there because he, he had not finished compiling all the data and going over uh, 2021, but Rob was gracious enough to make some more time to finish our discussion, and we went long for him. So I'm going to deliver that to you right now. All right, this is a special edition of Duclos Wrestling Podcast specifically dedicated to women's wrestling and how it's featured on television check this out okay folks you know a few short weeks ago we had our man rob the genius on the duke loves wrestling podcast and the response was tremendous i mean rob is somebody who people really enjoyed hearing from as as ironic as this is i mean i know that we were getting very granular getting into the details of um you know women's wrestling and how it's being displayed out there and in the on tv and what have you by the major promotions so i knew that i'd get a, a decent response but literally uh rob the genius who was on episode 293 it's week 293 so that came out january 6th the response that i got for that episode was as strong as anything i've done over the past two years i mean legitimately wrestlers promoters especially uh, women's wrestlers you uh, listeners in general, a lot of people enjoyed the intelligent conversation and the way that Rob broke things down. So I said, you know something, now that um, Rob has completed 
at least up to this point, his analysis, let's bring him back and, and, and finish the, the conversation, so to speak, because when we were speaking a couple of weeks back, it was it was incomplete. It was up to a certain point. But now Rob has even more data to share. And I know that you folks are interested in hearing it. So without further ado, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, my brother, Mr. Rob the Genius. What's up, Rob? Hey, man, good to be back. And I'm, hey. I'm so happy so many people liked what we did, man. Listen, man, I, I don't know what it is about you, but people really, really dug you, man. And and, and for that reason, I want to start with just plugging uh, where they can hear more from you directly, okay? Because I think there's a there's a wide subsection of my audience that are interested in listening to you and hearing you more. Oh, well, that's cool. All right, so well, I'm, I'm currently on two different podcasts. I have a solo act, which is called the Rob the Genius Podcast. And that's basically, it's just me. I occasionally have somebody on there, but it's just me kind of pontificating. And I talk about, I've talked about politics. I've talked about stuff on TV, um, just stuff that's going on in the world, like with, you know, COVID and what have you. Um, I've, you know, dabbled into my you know personal life a little bit. And it's just, it's a thing I, you know, I had always thought about doing it. And then once pandemic happened, I finally had time. So how often does that show come out, Rob? Say again? How often do you release uh, new episodes of the Rob the Genius show? Uh, usually every Friday. Uh, I try to have it ready Friday morning. But if not, if it's not ready Friday morning, it'll be ready later in the day on Friday. And so now what I was doing for a while, I've been doing it for almost two years now. And so what I had been doing, I'd been incorporating music into it because if if I if I did not need like a job to pay the bills, if I could just do whatever I wanted to do during the day, I would set up my own radio station and I would just talk and play music and talk to people. You know, that's if if I could just do whatever I wanted to do, uh, that's that's what I would do. And so for a while I wasn't in, in I was just incorporating some music into it, but I got hit by the copyright police. <laughs> so I had to put a stop to that. Um, Listen, we, we've all been there, man. I, I've, I've had, uh, I had Meek Mill, the rapper, uh, Warner Music Group hit me up because I used, as ironic as this sound, I used this snippet of a Ric Flair promo. Wow. And um, because one of his songs, he used it, they they tried to pull a fast one. And they, they told me I could leave the episode up on YouTube, but any, any, ad revenue generated had to go directly to them so i told oh, them man. that they can they can kiss my 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 uh natural black hind parts because i knew for a fact wwe owned that and if they ever uh pulled a stunt like that again then i, I would just have jerry mcdivitt himself uh correct them <laughs> and ironically you know they they back down real quick after that so oh, I, I but I, I know what you mean though and this is the reason why i won't use aew or anything else in my my clips for that reason because of the copyright stuff man they when they when they're mad at you especially if you criticize them and that goes for all wrestling promotions that's the first thing they want to do is try to give you a copyright strike and on the music side the music companies they just want to make sure that no one else is generating any kind of money off of their content so they'll go after you with their bots just to make sure they're squeezing every penny that they can anywhere it, it their uh, music can be heard right yeah so um so I, that, that put an end to that for me pretty much because now, well, cause I use anchor as my, my little hosting thing. And so you can use like music off of Spotify and put it in there. 
But the only thing is, if you do that, then you you can only put the podcast on Spotify. And what I found is that people were, most of my listeners were not using Spotify. So I just had to make a decision. So I took the music out and, you know, so now it's it's me talking. And again, I just, you know, I basically, I just, because I don't do it all in one sitting. I recorded over the course of a week, just in segments. And so like, you know, that gives me time to let some of the news stories or whatever of the week kind of unfold a little bit before I, you know, go talking about it. And it's, it's been really fun. I really enjoyed doing it. And I accept it's almost two years now. So if you, if you just want to hear me talk about all different kinds of things, you can hear me there. And I usually go about an hour, maybe a little bit more. Um, and you can also hear me if you're a wrestling fan. I'm on the Mindless Wrestling Podcast uh, with two, uh, two co-hosts, uh, DJ and Jason. We're on, we record every Wednesday and we usually have a new episode up on Thursdays. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So, so there you go, folks. I mean, you, you got two places that you can check out Rob the Genius and get more of a, a fix in your lives. Everybody kept asking me about that, man. We, you know, we want to hear more about Rob. When does Rob come back? I'm like, oh, I, I guess I'm chopped liver now. Y'all, y'all don't found <laughs> But no, man, that's the point. I, I love to have other folks who have shows and would have you here and, and, and expose you to my audience because one of the things I think we take for granted is we all come from different places and, and, and our approach is all different. You know, our experiences can be similar, but also different at the same time. So because of that, we're not necessarily always tapping into the same people. So right. that's why I'm a big proponent of collaboration, because literally you'll get a chance to be out there in front of others. And who knows someone in that sea of people? I think I got I got over 100 responses um, directly, just people asking about it and, and, and complimenting the show. Uh, that episode. But within that 100, there could be 10 influencers who will share your content with others who care about what they have to say. So now, you know what I mean? 10 becomes 100 becomes 1000. It's like it it, it spreads. So I'm always a fan of bringing folk on for that reason, man. I, I want to share what I got. And hopefully you share what you got. And that's how we continue to be strong, right? Oh, absolutely, man. Because uh, well, like one of my favorite songs is one, but not the same. That's so, it. That's it. Yeah, that's and, it. Who's uh, that? Is that is that you too? Yeah, I'm a big U2 fan. Man, now listen, I know you probably for a moment you probably scratching your head like, damn, he caught that off of that one little bit. <laughs> 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 I was with you right right away, man. That's one of my favorite songs. Excellent, one. man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah man. I, I love that song, man. You know, you know what's interesting about that song? It applies to life in so many different ways, and it doesn't matter what generation you're living in. The, the issues that are being identified yeah. in one are the same issues. It's, it's, it's just, it's tremendous um, what Bono was able to capture in those lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's the haves and the have nots. It's who he's really talking about uh, for the most part. It's like, you know, you, you want more and you want me to go without. How does that make sense? Yeah. You know, we're all human beings at the end of the day, right? Exactly. And just, I mean, it, I mean, it applies to groups of people. It could be a personal relationship you have with somebody. It just, it, it speaks to so many different things. Just, you know, it's just the, what we go through together as people, basically, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I think, I think, what was it? Is it the second or the third verse where he, he, um, he says something along the lines of, you act like you've never had love 
and that yeah. I should do without. I think that's I'm paraphrasing possibly, but I think that's kind of where where that is right there. It's just like, damn, think about that, bro. That's a lyric. Yeah. And then um it's like love you you say love is a higher temple. You ask me to enter, but then you make me crawl. Woo. That's you know, yeah, that's that's some heavy stuff. But you know, that's heavy. Yeah. That's heavy. That's a, you know, it's funny, and and I know that we, we're gonna get to the wrestling, but yeah, um I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh yeah. They man. did a they did a version with a gospel group. Yeah. And it's cause they did it like when they first they did one back in the eighties when they first made the song. And then they did a Joshua Tree 30 year like anniversary tour. And when they came through New York again, you know, they found they went and they dug up the you know, they found the same choir. They got different members now, obviously. But they brought them back out on stage again, uh, thirty years later. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. And I remember the original because there's on YouTube, you can even find the little mini movie. Oh, yeah. Where they show when they met them and then they just started going right into it, man, which was. So so here's let me let me pick your brain about something, Rob, because I have a theory um, that may not even just be a theory. I think at this point it's a law. I'm getting very scientific now because I know you're a mathematician. <laughs> um, you, too, is a Christian rock group. In a lot of ways. Yeah, because they have. Now they wouldn't call themselves that, but obviously you you can hear the you can see the and hear the many of the songs are very just blatantly religious in nature. Well, I, I would say I, the majority of their catalog alludes yeah. to or directly says God. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of that going through there. Now they would tell you that they are not, um, which is clever. Yeah. Which is clever because they didn't want to beat you over the head with it. They wanted no. to to slide the message in. I mean, you know, I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You, you got a lot of Bible references oh, yeah. in there. Uh, yeah. Literally, the song is about finding religion, finding God. Yeah. And so what, what it is, with, like, because what Bono does, really, he he goes through in his lyrics, he goes through his own personal journey. So, like, he's not telling you to follow the Ten Commandments, right? He's but. He in, on all the different songs and whatnot. He he goes. He just he's going through his own personal journey with God, basically. And yeah. you know the you know the ups and downs. The you know why does this happen? You know, thank you for this. I don't understand that. Um, you know, there's you know it's just he goes through the whole spectrum, sure, all through sure. the years. And it's one of the and I mean it's just and from from there they branch off into political themes. They have songs about. Uh, drug abuse sure because um and it's funny because i didn't you know i did i do not know much about ireland and but you know they at one point had in some er you know areas had pretty bad like i think it was heroin yep. stuff going on there yep. i didn't and look, i didn't know about that till i started you know till you know th through listening to the songs i had you know i had no idea uh, and because um like they have a couple of songs that are just strictly about that and one of them's on joshua if you're running the stand still and you know you can you go through the lyrics and one of the, the lines is i took the poison from the poison stream and i floated out of here wow and you know that's talking about getting high basically yeah and and there's another one i see seven towers and i only see one way out you know that's get high amazing. you know um, amazing amazing yeah, and so it just you know, and then in the final lyric, he's describing a you know a woman going through just um, the, the the final song is a final line is she suffers the needle chill. She's running to stand still. Well, it's just like that Black Crow song. Uh, she talks right. to angels. Yeah, yeah, same thing. You know what I'm yep. saying? That's 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 somebody taking heroin. Yeah, 
um, and that's what happens there. So it's 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 very interesting the way that groups weave this stuff in. But uh, you know, you too, as far as I'm concerned, when you look at what's popular today with Hillsong and and all that whole genre of music, you too was doing that. You too oh, yeah. was doing that in the in the eighties. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And even groups like The Fray, I'm not sure if you listen to them at all. They're another I've, heard of, I've heard of them, yeah. They're, they're a Christian rock group. They don't call themselves a Christian rock group. But, but when you hear songs like uh, You Found Me, Lost and Confused, You Found Me, You Found Me, they're just talking about God. I think actually the first lyric on that song, and you'll know it if you, if, if, when you play it, like after this, if you go and look it up, You Found Me, you'll know the song when you hear it. You've definitely heard it before. But I think literally the, the first lyric of the song is I Found God. Oh, because actually U2's first single, well, one of their first singles, I Will Follow, that's the title. Mm, mm. And one of the lyrics is, I was on the inside when they pulled the fall, four walls down. That's Jericho. Man, listen. You know, I mean. Listen. Now, now, people are used to it now with me here on Duke Loves Rouse, and I have people, I talk about religion, I talk about God all the time on this show, and I, I don't make any bones about it. I'm not necessarily a religious person, but I do have a, a strong and, and and deep relationship with God. But I don't know why people are so apprehend, apprehensive and dare I say afraid. And I didn't really realize it so much until guests started saying to me, hey, man, you know, you 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 like don't mind talking about God. And it's like a lot of people think that's offensive. So it's, it's refreshing to come on a show and not be afraid to talk about this. And it's like, well, damn, I didn't know that was offensive. <laughs> oh, because I think, man, because so much of it now, you know, there's a quick association with like, you know, religious right and, you know, and people of that nature. And, you know, also just, you know, in the black churches, you know, the home, you know, just the history of homophobia and things of that nature. And so, yeah, I think when you, know, you start talking about it, I think there's some people who definitely get a little apprehensive that you might be one of those type of people or that you might be wanting to take things in that kind of direction, you know? Um, sure. Sure. But, but and, you know what, Rob, that this is the beauty of, of folks like ourselves. We are independent thinkers first and foremost. So because of that, we're always looking for the truth. I think one of the worst things that ever happened to man was man creating religion and trying to uh, apply their own personal whatever came into their head into reality. It's like, wait a second. You know what I'm saying? If there is a higher being, if, if, and clearly there has to be something, there has to be something. It's like, do you really think the higher being cares um, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, if, you, if you're left-handed or right-handed? You know what I mean? It's like, do they really care that you, that you uh, swore under your breath when you got punished when you were in third grade or something? It's like, come on, man. What are we talking about right now? Right. And you know what I'm it, saying? Right. And it's just exactly. I mean, we fo we focus too much on that. We focus too much on, you know, rituals and things and traditions and things of that nature. Um It's true. It's true. Yeah. As opposed to what the what really matters, which is uh I'm gonna treat you the way I wanna be treated. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I'm going to have an open mind that has a foundation of respect. Now that doesn't mean we're not gonna disagree, and that doesn't mean that we're not gonna be passionate about our disagreements. We may even you know what I mean? Veer on the side of disrespectful when we're arguing our points. But at the end of the day, at least we can still communicate. You know what I'm saying? This, right. this, whole, this whole notion of, of I can't ever talk to you anymore because, Rob, you you know, you, you told me that you like Triple H and I can't stand him. 
So you and I can't be friends anymore, Rob, because you're a Triple H fan. It's like, come on, what are, what are we talking about? Right. So now that we've now that we've gone into music and religion and Triple H, <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's get back to what we're really here for. Um, you yeah. have some information for me that is an update from what you started to talk about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So what, what do you yeah, got, so, bro? What all right. you got? Okay, so I all, I finished everything up for 2021. Now things didn't really move that far, but you know I in coming up with the finished product, you know you you know you go back and you you know check everything you did, make sure you didn't leave anything out and all that kind of stuff. Wait, wait, hold on a second, Rob. Do me a favor and just remind everyone from a general, and it doesn't have to be too long, but remind everyone what specifically you're talking about. So you were pulling data for what? Okay, so for women's wrestling matches on television. Because just you know, around the middle of last year, I just noticed some things that just were kind of irritating, and that in in some instances it was just matches that were just way too short. In some other instances, it was just not enough matches on television on the you know on people's TV shows. So that didn't quite sit right with me, and so I just me being a mathematician, and I figured well the information is out there. So why don't I, and, you know, look, I love playing around with numbers just as a hobby. And so I figured, well, let's find out just how, you know, just what people, how much people are actually doing, because it's one thing to have a bad feeling or have a bad, have a notion that something isn't quite right, but you got to, you know, look, I'm a mathematician, I'm a scientist by nature. You got to prove it right before you, you know, before you start going off and pontificating and all that. You know, you, you, you need, you got to show your work. You need to have some proof. You can't just say this is bad if you got no evidence, because if somebody comes to me and because look, we see that all the time with the, you know, with the political news and all of that, there's some gloom and doom headline. And then you read, you know, and then, you know, you actually go read the story and it doesn't sound so bad. Right. <laughs> or sometimes the numbers don't back up what they're trying, what people are asserting in some story or something or other. Right. And so, me, I'm not going to tell you the, if the sky. I'm not going to tell you the sky is falling unless I can show you that the sky is actually falling. Okay, I'm not going to do. You know, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so I figured let's let's find out just what all people are doing here because if somebody's not doing as bad as people say are saying they are, then they then we should correct them. If somebody's doing worse, then we should not be giving people credit who don't deserve it. Um, and then ultimately. You know, I wanted to look at, well, okay, well, company X does this much. Is it costing them anything? Like, are they, if they're not, if they're not putting the effort in, are they losing anything for it? Because, look, I, I'm very quick to indict fans because, yes, promotions have, and promotions and entertainment companies, all that. Yes, they have their problems. Yes, they are part of the problem. But, you know, the dirty secret to a lot of this is in, in many cases, they are actually responding to their customer. And we got to look in the mirror. Something on some of this stuff, right? I mean, we do, and so I guess that's. I mean, you know, and that's it. if it turns out to be one of those things, then then yeah, it needs to be put out there that that yeah, we you know we gotta share some of the blame for this part of things or whatever. I mean, I, you know, um, so I just wanted to you know get as much take as much information that was available, take a look at everything, see what I could come up with, see if there was any type of conclusive evidence because. And that's the other thing. Sometimes, look, when you do scientific studies, sometimes you don't get, you don't reach a conclusion. Sometimes the information's all over the place and you can't really, you know, and 
all you can do is kind of throw your hands up and say, hey, well, hey, um, there's no rhyme or reason to this. So I wanted to see if there was a rhyme or reason to any of this stuff and what were the facts and what was the truth. And then we could talk about who needs to do better, who needs to do more, what you can do about that, you know, all that kind of thing. So so what do you got for us here? What, what's the final word on everything that you studied? All right. So 2021. All right. Now, I said when I was on before, I said that uh, NXT was the most efficient as far as, you know, uh, showing women's wrestling on television that held up. So they had accounted 98 matches that they had for the year on television and which in a two hour show, that was almost as many as Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw is three hours. So NXT in two hours did almost the same thing. Now, on the other end of that, there was AEW Dynamite, which in a two-hour show, they had 56 matches for 2021. And that's, again, that's me counting. So, it, look, if if, I, if you go back and count yourself and you find out that I'm off by one or two, you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, but that's by my count, Dynamite had 56 matches. Monday Night Raw had 109. So that's almost double. In just one more hour of time every week, it's almost double. That's not good. Okay. That that is that is terrible. So so that's yeah. that's a a significant difference. What what about NXT compared to uh Dynamite? So NXT had well so NXT had 98 and then so Dynamite had 56. So NXT is not far from doubling them also in the same amount of time every week. Um so and yes, yeah, you know um now SmackDown is also 2 hours. They were almost the, now they were not much better than Dynamite. Because now what happens with SmackDown is that so much time gets eaten up. Like, well, Roman Reigns, the, you know, that stuff eats up a lot of time. They have, well, their SmackDown is like promo segment heavy. And, and so we know Roman Reigns is doing, they do their thing with him and Paul Heyman and the Usos and all. They, they get some every week. Sami Zayn is getting something every week. Uh, there's like a thing with, you know, Baron Corbin every week. So, right? so what was SmackDown's number? You haven't given us a number. Oh, it, oh 68, which... Um, it should be better. So and, wait a second. SmackDown had 68 women's matches. Yeah. Total for 2021. Yeah. That is abysmal. Now, and it compared gets worse. To, to AEW's what? 56. That is abysmal. Yeah. And, and the other thing with SmackDown is that they are like, they were one of the, they were the main culprit for those like way too short matches. Like we're talking sometimes one minute, two minute, three minute matches. And it, it, I mean, it, it, it's just not good. And because look, look, the default setting, even today in WWE, even after the you know women's revolution and all that stuff, um, the default setting is still to to cut the women's matches time. And it seems like whenever they can get away with cutting the women's matches time, they do. Because look, just this past Monday, I mean, you had a what was supposed to be a tag team match. Well, well, it, well, they actually went. They it, they did go through with it. Um, it was Becky and Dewdrop against Bianca and Liv Morgan. Match went less than three minutes. And like, why are you having those four in the ring for under three minutes? That's ludicrous. Um, and yet they did. And that was on a three-hour show, mind you. So they do things like they still if if that's still the default setting, it seems. And honestly, and getting a little deeper into the weeds here. There are only like two or three people who, well, no one was immune to it, you know, but there are only, there, there are maybe two or three people who managed to manage to escape that fairly regularly. And that's Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair. 
And of course, there have always there have been you know whispers and innuendos about Charlotte and Sasha being quote unquote difficult backstage. Um, I would not be surprised in the least if <laughs> both of them were not were just not here for the two minute matches. Okay, <laughs> um, but it it really seemed like anyone else, and you know, unless there was a special occasion to have a longer match, um, if they could chop your time, they would. Um, and it takes to this day and there's still stories that come out where people saying, you know, where some of the women are thinking like, you know, Tyson kid or, you know, or for fighting for us to get more time. So to this day, you know, they're not out of the woods here, right? They have their, they have their moments where they do really good stuff, but it still appears like it's a struggle. Like you have to fight backstage to not get your time cut. And that's not good. Particularly when you got two and three hour shows and you got, you know, you shouldn't have, a, like I said, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have that tag team match this past Monday being under three minutes is a travesty. Given, I mean, like seriously, what, like what was the point? <laughs> I mean, um, but that was on SmackDown in particular last year. That was, that was a thing. That was a, it was a pattern and it was not good. And, but they would, that was, they would do it. If, it really seemed like they could do it. They would do it if they could get away with it. And it seemed like it was just the default setting was to cut the women's matches time. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. And, and and here's the thing that kills me about that, Rob. SmackDown, for the most part, is considered the best wrestling show of them all. Yeah. I mean, because well, this is the other part. Is, well, because at least on my Twitter timeline, the two the two shows that are most consistently that were most consistently praised on my Twitter timeline last year were SmackDown and Dynamite. And they're like the two worst. <laughs> they were the two worst as far as putting women's matches on television last year. So what do you say to that? Because, you know, I, I definitely admit that I'm guilty of putting over SmackDown because of its diversity, because of the fact that they you will get multiple women's matches. But the criticism of the fact that they're short especially compared to the field is, I mean, you can't hide from that. So I find myself ironically calling out SmackDown once the show is over. I think I've called out SmackDown in particular more than any other show um, other than Dynamite for that reason, though. You know what I mean? Because it's like, wait, wait, you know, that was that was a good show. But (laughs) what happened with the women? You know? Yeah. And uh, right. And then and it's just it. It, it, it just wasn't good all year. And I mean, cause you, like, you could count up the number of times you could count on your fingers. The number of time, number of women's matches they had that went over 10 minutes on SmackDown last year. I think it was less than 10, I think. And people right. will have the audacity to point out that SmackDown has the stronger women's division compared to, to raw, at least for the, if you just look at 2021 as a whole, people will say, well, you know, SmackDown had the better division, but uh, well, cause at the top, Right. So at the beginning of the year, at the top, they had Sasha, Bailey, and Bianca. Then later on in the year, they had Sasha, Becky, and Bianca up until the draft. So at the top, yes. Whereas I'm on Raw, you had Charlotte, and then you had Oscar for a while. As far as like top level, you know, top tier, you know, of the women's roster, that's what you had. So Yes, that and then one then Oscar was injured after Money in the Bank. So from Money in the Bank up through the draft on Raw, you had Charlotte as far as a top tier women's wrestler, and on SmackDown you had you know yes you did that you had Becky, Sasha, 
and Bianca. So it was because then, you know, Bailey was out injured also at that point. So just, yeah, I mean, you had more top tier women on SmackDown than you had on Raw. Now, the difference was that Raw booked the entire division better than SmackDown did because SmackDown, once you got past the top three, it was very slim pickings as far as matches and match times and all of that. And I mean, you had some women going seven, eight weeks with no match on SmackDown. Like Liv Morgan would go, she would have three or four matches in a row. Then she'd be off. Then she wouldn't have a match for seven weeks. Then she'd have a couple of matches. Then she'd have no matches for eight weeks last year. Right. Um, That happened to her. It happened to Carmella. Um, It even happened to, uh, who else did that? Happened to Tony Storm. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, same thing. All of them went through that last year on SmackDown, and and, and we can't blame COVID for all of that, folks. No, I they, mean, they no, they just they just weren't a creative problem. Yeah, <laughs> they just they just didn't book them in a match, and yeah. um, yeah. and I'll say, look, they they did they didn't do they did Tony Storm, they did her no favors because she had a debut match, she was gone for several weeks, she had another match, she was gone for several weeks, and then they threw her into the fire with Charlotte at the end of the year, and. You know, people and look, people got mixed bag of opinions on how that went. Um, I say for somebody who would just go, got called up to the roster, they really didn't do her any favors there because um, she was off TV for so long. And then they threw her into a sink or swim situation with, you know, with literally nothing. Nothing was done to build her up to look like a credible challenger. And then they just threw her in the fire. And we and we can peel back some layers here and I'm comfortable enough to do it. Um so Rob, forgive me if I if I start going no, a no little problem. too far in the weeds on this, but you know Tony Storm has been very open. In fact, she she did an interview with Lillian Garcia a couple of years ago on on um, the Chasing Glory podcast. Tony Storm has been open about the fact that she suffers from depression and that she's a cutter. Something I, that she's done. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, throughout her life, going all the way back to when she was a young person. Um, so if you really she uses makeup to hide the scars and things like that. But if anyone were to really zoom in on her legs and her arms, you would actually see scars. I mean, that's how significant of an issue that it's been for her throughout her life. So when she was initially brought up from NXT, um, they, they immediately had to put her back down in NXT because it was just too much for her. You know, she had a full breakdown over that. So this wasn't the first time she was called up. They started. They were testing the waters before. You got to go back to when her and Rhea Ripley had their match. What was that? That was was that May Young Classic or was that something else? Um, I think it was at that Worlds Collide. Yeah, Worlds Collide. Excuse me. Uh, they both impressed. They both impressed very much. And Tony was called up. You know, they were testing the water. They they put her on a couple of main roster uh, events and and what have you, and it just did not work for her. So she had to go back where she was more comfortable. And, you know, get some help and kind of work through some things. And that's where she she was doing NXT UK and then, you know, regular NXT. And then finally she gets she comes back up. You're absolutely right. They didn't do her any favors by starting and stopping, starting and stopping with her. So the the reports that still have not been confirmed yet, because she's still listed on the WWE website, by the way, folks, as a WWE superstar. But um, this notion that she asked for her release and she was granted her release, I wouldn't be surprised about that for the for the reason of the fact that she's you know she's been open about her her challenges that she's been coping with in life and the company not in my opinion not keeping that front of mind 
and jerking her around the way that they have because whoever is in charge of the creative in that regard, in addition to Vince McMahon, they're not showing a full commitment to this character. No wonder the woman didn't want to be in that company. Right. And um, I didn't know all of that about uh, her background, but yeah, they did her, they did her no favors um, because yeah, she got, like I said, she got called up. She had a match off no matches for, you know, almost two months, had another couple of matches, no matches again for almost like two months. And then, you know, and then uh, and now we're going to throw you in with the, you know, with Charlotte Flair. Good luck. You, you destroy somebody's confidence that way. I mean, you completely crushed them that way. And so, if, yeah. yeah. And then because, I mean, you got to be built up for that. You got to be ready for that. That is a big deal because if you don't come in, if, if you're not, you know, prepared for that, she's going to blow you off the screen. Especially Charlotte Flair, who's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, they they just they really did her no favors, and on Raw they did a much better job of managing the entire women's roster for most of the year uh, because well it was well because and because the way it was structured because Charlotte was mainly the only the kind of top tier of the women's roster on Raw for so much time last year. They had to pretty much run everything through her as far as matches, so and, and storylines and all of that. So basically, she at some point or another she wrestled almost every woman on the Raw roster during the year, and and because she didn't have like Sasha or Bailey or somebody over there to just have an instant you know rivalry with, they just you know they had basically they had to they cycled her they you know they cycled her through everybody. So, but now the the good part about that is that a whole lot of people got matches that wouldn't probably wouldn't have whereas on you know smackdown they always had two or three of the top tier women on the show and so so much got contained just between them and then everyone else got kind of left out in the cold deep so i mean i just it it speaks to how you manage your roster um do you you know um because what happens to me a common complaint is that you know that they do so much with the horse women and that you know everyone else is kind of fishing for scraps and there is a lot of truth to that and then honestly, because now, and I'll just give you my next <laughs> project that I have started, but have not, and I'm not close to finishing is just examining just how much that is true. The, you know, how much, you know, the, um, you know, the kind of legend of four horse women dominance of the women division, how much of that is true and how much isn't. That's, that's my next thing that I'm going into, but you know, I've, I've started working on it, it, you know, but I'm nowhere close to being finished with that yet. Interesting. But, Very interesting. Uh, Show me the numbers again. I, and I know I keep asking you for this, but there's a reason. Uh, I want to make sure anyone listening keeps this front of mind. So in terms of, of total matches, Raw had how many women's matches for 2021? Uh, 100 and 109. 109 out of 52 weeks. Yes, yeah, so it was just over two matches per week. And how many did, who was number two? So let's let's say the whole ranking there and, and how many each uh, program had. Okay, so Raw had 109, NXT had 98, so they were second. And now my guess what that is, is because I think because Vince is not as hands-on in the running of the show, you know, as far as, the, you know, yeah, as, far as he's not, I mean, he's obviously he has a hand in creative, but as far as the actual, like, running of the show and timing stuff out and all of that, um, I think because 
he and you know Bruce Pritchard and all those guys, they're not as involved there. Uh, that I think that allows them a little more space to kind of do what they want. <laughs> oh, because NXT, in terms of percentage to amount of time on TV, it's a two-hour program, and yet they're averaging. You know, you can you can round up and say that that's two women's matches per week. Yeah, it's like one point nine, basically. Yeah, so. so I mean, that's that's two ma- women's matches per week. Because uh, some some weeks they actually had more than two women's matches. Some weeks yeah. they had three. So so you have a situation where, relative to the percentage of time that they have, NXT features more women's wrestling than everybody. Yeah, and um, they did. So that's I mean that's to, they, to be commended for that. And it, it is just I mean I was, and 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 this is also now last and they maintain that throughout the year, even though like the roster got almost completely turned over over the course of the year because. Uh, you had releases, you had call-ups. So th- um, this is a booking philosophy is what that means to me, right? This yeah. is this is clearly something that they're dedicated to doing on that show. And and I guess the same can be said about Raw because throughout the year, for the most part, you know, there, are, there were exceptions, but for the most part, they were going to give you at least two women's matches. Yeah. For the most part. Um, so again, that's a booking philosophy. I don't, I don't applaud them too much though because that's a three-hour program it's not like they couldn't afford to do more well yeah so now i will applaud nxt because like look in the middle of the year nxt they lost pretty much all their veteran women because tony storm shotzi got called up tegan knox got called up um candace LeRae, you know i went out on maternity leave um and then and then a bunch of people got ember moon got released uh, uh ty valkyrie got released so they i mean they like they lost a lot of their veteran women oh, and, and Rhea Ripley got called up to the main roster. Um, and yet the second half of the year, they, they were going with a lot of girls that were, you know, just out of the PC or didn't have a lot of experience. And yet they maintained the pace. They didn't, you know, it, it'd be very easy to throw your hands up and just say, okay, well we can't do with so much here. Cause you know, you know, these, and also God give them credit that, you know, They've they've gotten some of these girls ready pretty quickly, as far as and they made some and they made some good signings. They you know they found Cora Jade. Cora Jade was wrestling on AEW Dark, and they found her and brought her in, and she's been a great addition to their roster. Um, and Gigi Dolan was working on AEW Dark also, and same thing. And and this is kind of one of the ironies of being well with AEW. You know the YouTube shows of in a lot of ways turned almost almost into a de facto scouting service for WWE because they can watch people on the YouTube show and see if there's somebody they want to sign. <laughs> but I mean, NXT is to be commended because they did not throw in the towel when the whole women's roster got, when most, when the vast majority of the women's roster got turned over, they did not give up. Yeah. They kept it the same pace. And well said. Well said. Now, now, who's next here? Who's next? Because we we've we've spent a lot of time. I'm curious about who number three is. Is that Impact? Uh, number three. Uh, so SmackDown is number three. Wow. With 68. <laughs> Are now, you kidding me? <laughs> um, well, because here's where I'm, like Impact starts. They, they kind of fell off in the second half of the year, and not really sure why. I don't have an well, explanation. How much of that coincides with? The AEW invasion. Oh well, the, I mean, the later part of the year that was over, um, and now, see, well, Impact is they're kind of a, I guess, an enigma because 
as far as matches per week, they weren't having that many. But if you look at the whole picture about how they treat their women's division, it's still better than a lot of people because they had all women's pay-per-view last year. They, they've had women main event pay-per-views before, right? Um, they were doing all of that stuff before WWE was doing any of it. And already this year, they had, they had a women's main event on TV and they had a women's main event on pay-per-view this year already. So with them, you got to kind of, kind of sort of grade them on a curve because you got to look at their whole, with them, their whole picture is better than just how the numbers shook out last year as far as what they put on television. It's interesting. It's It's interesting. Not as, so it's not as black and white with them. It's interesting. With everyone else, it was pretty cut. I mean, the conclusions were pretty cut and dried once you looked at everything with everyone else. Um, And again, now in, you know, over to AEW again, you know, it was one match a week and they only deviated from that like two or three times all year. Um, And then last, at the end of the year, they had the TBS title tournament. And my thinking there was, well, whenever you add like some extra new shiny object, the question is always, okay, is this going to exist alongside what was already there? Or is it just going to replace what was already there? So what happened with the TBS title tournament, basically it replaced what was already there. You still only had one match a week. It's just that the match was for the TBS title tournament instead of, you know, the whatever one women's match you would have otherwise had. Hmm. So that was one of those kind of things where you look at somebody, you just say, okay, don't, you're not slick. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you're not fooling me. All right. <laughs> and, um, cause they, you know, they, again, they had the one match and, but it was just, it was the TBS title tournament match. It's like, okay, fine. And my, and my question with that was always, okay, well, what are you going to do with that title after the tournament is over? Are you going to, you know, the TBS title division, are you going to put that on dynamite in addition to the, you know, world title division or not? Or are you going to relegate it? And by what we're seeing so far this year, looks like they're relegating it because uh, Jade's first TV TBS title defense it's going to be on Rampage, <laughs> which is ironic because it's, it's the TBS title and it's going to be defended on TNT. And you just got to shake your head, man. They, they just, there's no commitment. There's no <laughs> commitment whatsoever. It's know? like, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? There's no commitment. It's just, it's just ignorance. It's just nonsense. Um, I, I don't even know what to say in terms of Tony Khan's booking of, of women's wrestling. It has been so abysmal that. I'm 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 frankly disgusted with the entire wrestling community that they don't call that out more. It's it's very. Why oh. do you think that is, Rob? Why why are people taking more of a hard line um, against AEW regarding the 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 lack of support for women's wrestling, specifically on TV, the the place that they need to be in order to increase their their market value? Um. Well, I think you know because. The strongest critics are people like me who don't watch them on TV. Um, and their most vocal supporters don't care. Or they don't, you know, they're fine with what they're getting. And and what they now what they do is they do a bit of a sleight of hand because so it's not like it's not only Britt Baker on TV every week. Right. So they'll have they'll have different women f- from their women's division get you know, get the whatever the women's matches for the week, right? So, so you'll see you I mean, over the course of the year, you see different women, right? So it gives the appearance that they're doing more than they are, but it's still just one match every week, and then and there was no consistent kind of pattern to even to 
you know, who got on and who didn't. Um, well, and the other thing is who's getting over. And and the answer is that. And then nobody. <laughs> it's like, no, I are mean, getting over. Yeah. Cause um, they only had like, well, another thing I counted was like how many women got 10 matches over the course of the year on your respective show, because that shows that you're, well, that shows commitment to the woman and putting her on TV. Right. Um, so raw had the most and to raw had, there were 13 different women who had over, over 10 matches on Monday night raw in the year. And now there were some women who had, and now dynamite on the other hand had by my count dynamite had three the women who had gotten over, you know, 10 matches for the year. This is um, embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Cause now I understand now, now if you want to want how really bad it is. Okay. So you had three women that had 10 matches over the course of the year on dynamite. All right. Um, Charlotte Flair and Shayna Baszler alone had 30 matches apiece on Monday Night Raw. Okay. Um, Oscar had over 20 matches on Monday Night Raw. Nia Jax had over 20 matches on Monday Night Raw. Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. had over 20 matches on Monday Night Raw over the year. Okay. Literally, that now, now just to put this in perspective, there are 52 episodes of Raw in a year. Yes. So you're talking about people who are coming close to, to having two matches per month you know i mean or, or almost a match every week almost uh, a match every week it's it's like what are we talking about here this is this is tremendous yeah and um and now and now some people i think uh bianca belair might have had um 10 matches on both shows because she you know she came over to raw after the draft um there, there were a couple people who had more than 10 matches on both raw and smackdown you know because of the draft and all of that this that's amazing um, and so, you, and yet you had three women on dynamite all year that had 10 matches. Well, uh, so, so let me ask you this, Rob, because I love the fact that you've put all this together. Where can people consume it? Because oh. there needs to be so much more discussion about this. People got to, got to be able to really pick, pick apart some of this data okay, in order to present it. Cause I, I'm going to start tagging Tony Khan directly in this. So, all right. So now I, I published my, I guess you could call it report. Uh, and actually, well, I have two of them. Uh, so one is called Women's Wrestling on TV in 2021. And that's at my website. It's called robsagenius.com. You can find it there. Uh, and I also have a second post that I just published a couple of days ago. And it's Women's Wrestling on TV Part 2. And that's devoted to looking back a few years for each show and seeing how things went gone historically. Because as you know, it's one, you know, we, we can, you can total up stuff for one year, but you know, you need to look back to see if that one year is, you know, some type of exception or anomaly or something or whether it fits a pattern. And so I, I've had that, I published that a couple of days ago and there's some interesting stuff from there also. And particularly how, like, because in the WWE there, there are certain things that there's certain points in the calendar that are certain events that had like a real distinct effect on how they, how many women's matches they were doing. Um, so one thing in particular, like around the end of 2017, they started, they started calling more women up for NXT. And so that expanded the women's roster. And so they started having more matches. Um, and then their time, there are also points in the year in WWE where, where it looks like they just said, well, okay, well just kind of threw their hands up. Uh, and like, for example, at the end of 2019, particularly on Monday Night Raw, they just 
kind of just threw their hands up, it seemed, and <laughs> it didn't do much of anything. And they're kind of going through a little bit of that right now. Well, they're they're building towards a Royal Rumble right now, but you, I'm looking at how they've been doing stuff so far this year. You know, you're just kind of wondering, okay, are y'all worried about people getting hurt? Are y'all just trying to save people, you know, for that show? Because it really looks like y'all are holding back. Um, because right now it's just the they're not it, it's just not looking too good right now, particularly compared to last year. Because last year was a really good year, uh, even with the the SmackDown, the things we've said about SmackDown here, uh, you know, compared to what they did last year on SmackDown pretty much fit with the last couple of years. Um, and you, you can take that for what it's worth. Now, right now, this year, they're they're behind that pace. Raw is behind the pace right now. Uh, and I do kind of wonder if they're, it, it, it at least looks like they're trying to save people for the, you know, and because I mean, Sasha Banks got injured, so I can understand them being freaked out now. Yeah, and I mean, listen, it, it, the pandemic does have an effect on some of these things. Yeah. Um. So in the short term, we can definitely see that. I, I think that especially this year with Omicron, uh, the way that that's been ripping through everywhere and every no, there's no segment of the population that has not been affected by this this strand of uh, COVID nineteen. So I get that, but when you when you start looking at an entire year. And you see these types of problems, like what's, what's happening with SmackDown. This is just a case of poor booking. And this is a case of somebody trying to do the bare minimum <laughs> to say that they did something, which is embarrassing. And on the, on the side of AEW, they're not even trying. They're not even trying to do that. It's just there's, there's, no, there's no commitment whatsoever. Not even They can't even window dress it. So it's just interesting. I, I do wonder about something though, Rob. Did you did you look at any of the rampage numbers at all, or did you leave that alone since they weren't around for the whole year? Um, well, I, I glanced at them because well, I wanted to see. I looked at it just. I didn't dig as far as deep into match times and all that. I did just kind of skim through the lineup every week just to see if they were doing more, and they don't. They have one match a week also. So, um, so basically, I mean, it really looks like their their mo is. On our TV show, you get one women's match. Whether I mean, whether it's Rampage or Dynamite, um, that seems to be the mo. And people uh, say, and people say, I give Tony Khan a hard time. I mean, <laughs> the, um, the proof well, in the pudding. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's right there. Um, and I mean, looking shoot, you can, I mean, you can go deeper with, than numbers with him because well, one of the things that Swole mentioned was just you know there was a lack of dedicated training. Basically, she had asked about setting up some dedicated training sessions and kind of got to run around and you can see the results of that on when you see, when you watch some of the matches. It's true. Um, it's true. You know, and, and you know, that, no, that, that's a whole nother topic, but yeah, I mean, well, I'm, what I'm presenting, I'm presenting this, this is hard evidence here. And in their case, I even went back and went in and looking at the historical data so I went back to the very beginning with Dynamite, and it's always been bad. Um, act, well, you know, actually, you know what? It's gotten worse, <laughs> okay? Um, because the very well, 2019 is when they started, and they were only on air for like what about three months of 2019. So, just proportionally, they but they did better proportionally over the over that over those three months than they've done ever since. Well, and huh. Jesus. Look, and oh, now the worst was two thousand. For them, the worst was two thousand twenty. Two thousand twenty, they didn't even average a match a week. Uh, I counted fifty 
for the year uh, in 2020 for them. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of like they're sitting around saying, okay, well, we need to have a women's, di- we, we need to have a women's division. Okay. Well, um, yeah, well, we'll do something here. And, you know, and you get your one match. That's it. The only, I'd say the only, like the only woman that they've really been solidly committed to week in and week out is Britt Baker. Uh, now some people will mention, they'll bring up, they'll include Jade. Um, I don't know. I think the commitment to her is kind of a mixed bag. Um, I think obviously they see the star potential in her. So they are, so they have, you know, they've given her a push. They put the title on her and everything. Um, but well, I didn't, cause I, I did look in a lot of her matches just because, you know, I saw a lot of the commentary around her, especially in the, the TNT TBS championship match. There was a lot of criticism. So I was just curious as to how, okay, well, how many matches has she actually worked? I mean, who has she worked them against? Um, and a, a whole lot of her matches are against people who are every bit as inexperienced as her. Um, like people with nine, 10, maybe 20 matches. A lot of her. So, I mean, you literally got the blind leading the blind here. That is very interesting. I mean, as you know, Rob, I've, I've taken a lot of criticism for pointing out that overall, and this is just my opinion, Jade is the worst wrestler overall that I have ever seen. She, she, her in-ring work, I'm not talking about her presence, which is she's a star. I'm not talking about her on mic ability, which I think she's pretty good on the mic. I don't think she's great. I don't think she's bad. She's pretty good. But in terms of actual wrestling, I have never seen someone as bad as she is. Now, here's the kicker. I, I feel that the, the issue is training. I don't feel that she's, she clearly has not gotten enough reps in there and she hasn't been in the ring with enough experienced people for long enough um, to improve, which means that it's possible to improve. So there's a way to do it. And I think that if she sticks at it, she's going to be very good. But at this stage of the game, she's, in my opinion, she's terrible. People acted like I, I, I slapped somebody's dog or something when I said that. And I don't understand it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, she's not experienced. And I don't know who's training her, but they clearly aren't doing a good enough job because she's she doesn't even have timing. Rob. And now I, I've refrained from, well, I haven't watched any of her matches in entirety. So I have refrained from passing any judgment because if I'm going to call you terrible, then I, I got to, you know, I'm not going to call you terrible if I don't watch, if I haven't sure. actually sat and down and fair. watched her matches. And that's I'm not fair. Gonna, yeah. Because I, look, I was very critical of well, the B-Fab from Hit Row because she had one match on NXT television and it was God awful. You know something? It was, <laughs> it was awful, but at least with B-Fab, you could tell that there was something there. There was something. It wasn't. It, it was. It needed to be fleshed out more. And I think over time it would have been. But there was something there. Let me tell you something, brother. If you watch four of of, of Jade's best matches, just just tell somebody who's a Jade fan. Give me four of her best matches. You will sit there and shake your head the whole time. And her best match was against Thunder Rosa because Thunder Rosa basically had to wrestle herself in that ring. Um, but you'll just see things that defy logic. Even in wrestling, it defies logic. Like if, to break the count, you roll into the ring and then you roll out. Well, if Jade is supposed to be the heel and Thunder Rosa is supposed to be the, the baby face, why is Thunder Rosa breaking the count and then going back out on the on the floor to, to, to fight Jade when you're trying to make it, you're trying to advance to the next round of a tournament? Defies logic. I And now one thing I think they're not, well, they were, I think she should be working baby face personally. 
because well, Tony Khan compared her to Goldberg. And one thing they did with Goldberg was because he was working babyface, you could have heels do shenanigans and all types yes, of stuff. Exactly. To, to basically draw attention away from everything, right? Or to eat up time. And but they got her working heel. So basically they, they've taken something so they've taken something away that could be used to help. Because like when Goldberg won the US title, he beat Raven. And of course, Raven had, you know, the flock, he had a whole bunch of guys that it interfered in the match. And so they were doing run-ins and all types of stuff. And it eats time off the clock. It's less that Goldberg had to do during the match. Yeah, right? Especially considering those guys are just bumping for him. I mean, that's that's it, right? They, they, yeah. They, I mean, you know, they, they were running there and they'd eat a spear or whatever, or eat a clothesline or whatever, right? Or he'd grab one and toss him out of the ring, right? And But that allows, that's less time that he had to be putting, you know, trying to put on a hold or whatever. And if they had her working babyface, you could do that. You could have heels do run-ins and cheat and whatever, and you know, eat time off the clock. Less she has to do all that type of thing. But you know, they 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 got her working heel, which means that they took that away from her basically. And so they're not doing her any favors. No, um, and and let me just restate this again. I think that physically, you know, as far as the eye test is concerned. There's not a person in the entire wrestling industry who looks like more of a star than Jade Cargill. She absolutely is captivating. There is she is she she looks like somebody. And that is there's so few of those these days, especially in wrestling, where you just don't you don't have to know anything about this person. You just look at them and it's like, damn, that's a star. Like that's a star. And it's not about the way that she dresses either. Right. We're talking about her natural presence. She is a star. So I want to make sure I'm clear about that. Um, and I and when she talks, I believe her, even though it, it even it, it can veer off into acting a little bit, bad acting. But I believe her. I'm interested in what she has to say because she's a star. When she wrestles, she looks dangerous. She looks sloppy. She looks like somebody who is not trained. And here's the worst part about that. That's not her fault. In my opinion, that's the fault of whoever's responsible for making sure that she's safe and that she knows what she's doing to a certain degree in that ring. So that's Tony Khan. And that's and that's, you know, whomever else. That's Kenny Omega. That's QT Marshall. That's Dustin Rose. That's whoever's training this woman and whoever's responsible for that and whoever is running the company. They got to make sure that she's being set up for success. You put a belt, a secondary title on her, which didn't make any sense, considering that you barely feature women's wrestling to begin with, and you and you have her eating up your, your best workers out there like a Thunder Rosa, and meanwhile, she's a heel who can't carry a match. Who wins in that situation? You're, you're setting her up to fail. So as far as I'm concerned, Jade Cargill, the first time a television producer or a movie producer makes you an offer, get the hell away from wrestling because they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand how to feature you properly. So just use them as a springboard and go make some real money somewhere else because these folks ain't got it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm looking through some of um, from some of her opponents now. Here's one nine matches. One of them. <laughs> um, there's another one. Thirty six matches. Not that many, right? I mean, it's it's you can keep going up and down the Are list. Are you of talking her. about for their career? Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Um, <laughs> here's another one. Nine matches. Uh, one of her opponents. Um, <laughs> and. 16 or 15 matches this one uh because well because well, well and because you know they they bring all these folks in for the youtube show 
right? For do these little one-off and good they, point. Good they do point. jobs and all yeah. of that. Yeah, squash. And yeah. so, and these, particularly on the women's side, these girls are like, there's no six matches. Good grief. I mean, like. Now, now put this into perspective. The best match, everyone will say, it, the best match Jade ever had was against Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa had over 50 matches last year alone. Right. And, and so I'm just going through Jade's opponents here. I mean, 10 matches, 11 matches, 15 matches, nine matches, six matches. I mean, and these are, these are women that they're bringing in for the YouTube show. And so they don't have any experience either. And so this, I mean, this honestly, this speaks to, again, booking the division itself. Uh, you know, you, you are bringing in all these women for the YouTube show and a couple of them have already gotten signed away by the competition <laughs> because, you know, Cora Jade and Gigi Dolan got signed away by the competition. Um, got signed away and are being featured more. And one of them has a title. Uh, Gigi <laughs> Dolan is a tag team champion. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, and I think, I think Cora Jade is in a, isn't she in a, in a championship feud? Isn't she? Uh, yeah. She's, she's feuding with Mandy Rose. So, uh, so, so they both got signed away and are being actually featured as stars. Yeah, and and now so you got Jade, you got Britt, you got Thunder Rosa, so you, they have a few veterans, and then you have a few people. You know, you have Britt, who is a kind of sort of she's had you know veteran at this point. Um, you've got then they've got the girls who were in the street fight, and they're all mostly green still. You know, Tay Conti and Anna Jay, and you know, and, and so they're all green pretty much. Or you know, it's it's just it's a mess. And because now they'll probably tell you that they'll, they'll tell you the same thing that they'll tell you about, you know, African-American wrestlers that, well, well, we, you know, we can only get who we can get. And now my answer to that is, okay, well now Ember Moon is available. Tony Storm is going to be available soon. Mia Yim is going to be available. Uh, if she, you know, she'll be available soon. Tegan Knox is available. Um, are you going to sign any of them? Hmm. Um, Cause it's funny. Cause last year, like, yeah, like people were, people were, it seemed like a lot of people were putting their hopes and dreams on, you know, Ashley Flair being all elite, you know, and, you know, cause Andrade went over there and then, you know, Rick, you know, left WWE and there were a lot of memes of that going around last year and like, okay, are you, is that what you're pinning your hopes on? The well, same way you're going to work with <laughs> and, and no? the, the same way you're pinning your hopes on, you know, maybe big ego in there one. But it's like, who are they going to work with? I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's the real issue. Who the, who the hell are they going to work with? Oh, you still there, Rob? You can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, okay. So it's the same thing, right? So they tell you we can't get anybody. All right, and it's like, okay, well, now in the very near future, there, there are some people available for you. All right. So now are you going to sign them? And if you sign them, are you going to do anything with them? Well, that's the that's the big part. Are you going? Tony Khan has proven that he'll sign anyone and everyone that's ever had WWE. Uh, if they've ever gotten any kind of paycheck from WWE, he'll sign them. But then, what are you going to do with them? And that's that's a good question. Well, listen, listen, Rob, I, I really appreciate you um, coming back and, and breaking some of this stuff down for us. I mean, this is this is solid. This is solid stuff. Remind everyone again, the best way that they can check out the report and start having more conversation elsewhere. And especially some of you podcasters and some of you folks who are writing articles, you better get in touch with Rob, man, because this is this is solid information here. Rob, uh, break it down one more time, bro. OK, so you can read this stuff at Rob's dot com. 
It's all one word. That's where I got both of these reports. You can read uh, you can read those there. And I write a, I write a bunch of other stuff, too. So, you know, <laughs> read some of the other stuff while you're there. And and so you can again, you can hear me talking about this type of stuff. Yeah, I'm on the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. You can look me up there. And I'm guessing I'll be back here again sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you can find me at all those places. I'm on Twitter at R-B-O-N-N-E-1. And, and let me just say this and, you know, do your own home, you know, do your own investigating too. Right. I mean, because the thing is, you know, you got to ask yourself, what exactly do you want? Right. And then the other thing I would say is reward good behavior. All right. So like impact had an all women's pay-per-view last year. They had women main event, their pay-per-view this year. Okay. Um, this is not the time to be doing it. Well, I'm not going to watch no impact wrestling. Okay. Um, because if you don't reward the good behavior, they're not going to keep it up because the, the default setting for all of these promoters is to say that women's wrestling doesn't draw. So we're not going to commit to it, but so much that is the default mentality. So when they do something to, that deviates from that, if it, if it's not rewarded, then they're going to revert back to form and you can get mad about that or say that that's, that that's not how it should be, but that's human nature, right? I mean, if you tell me to do different and I do different, and you don't, and you know, and then you just look at me like, hey, whatever. Well, then, what did I do different for? I <laughs> mean, okay, that's a great point. His name is Rob the Genius. Uh, listen, Rob, man, I really appreciate you coming back and schooling us on the final uh, verdict there on the data that you've been combing through. And like you said, I'm pretty sure you'll be back again uh, at some point soon because we're, we're we've only just begun with this stuff, man. Yep, and I'm, like, I'm keeping the party going in 2022, so I'll have, you know, as the year goes on, I'll have more information. Once again, great conversation with our man Rob the Genius. Great guy, great guy. And listen, I, I encourage everybody out there, please share the data. Clearly what we see and what we assume we we're looking at, the data supports it. There's no question about that at this point. So now it's time to pick it apart, share it, and more importantly, let's have conversation about how these these promotions can do better. Because at the end of the day, it's about solutions. It's not just about identifying problems. And, you know, next week I'm going to have some women on the show because it's fine to have guys talking about this stuff. But this is about women's wrestling. And it's not for me to sit here and run my mouth, flap my gums about what I think I know and just my opinion. I want to hear from some women too. In fact, I think I'm going to have a, a promoter on, a woman promoter to discuss some of the things going on in terms of pro wrestling from a general standpoint, but even their thoughts on how women's wrestling in particular is being featured on television in this, this modern time. So, you know, this is going to be a conversation I'm going to keep going here because, you know, I'm very serious about women's wrestling. It's something that I care about. And I believe that it is not getting the type of respect that it should. Don't just say that you're about it and put on. It actually be about it. You know, put some action behind it. So that's what we're doing here on the show. Duke Loves Wrestling at gmail.com. Duke Loves Wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. Let me know what you think, folks. Really appreciate all of the feedback. Of course, this was a special edition, as I stated. I got some thoughts on some other things going on in pro wrestling, but you're going to have to wait 
Gonna have to wait. Maybe I'll I'll uh, open up a little bit more about that next week. But this was a long form conversation this week with Rob, and I want to let that be the thing that lasts in your mind, as opposed to my uh, meatball comments like I had last week for Mister Mark Henry. <laughs> I'm not going back there this week. I'm not doing it. No, no, no. But maybe I will next week. Who knows? Until then, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>